Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, again. Here we are recording again. Everybody good? Yeah. Everybody looks happy and healthy here. It's a good crowd. Good looking group. So we're in the midst of fall. But one thing that never changes on the east end of Long Island is traffic. <laughs> we always seem to like come back to this. It's sort of like our our go-to subject. Traffic and affordable housing, right? Well, well, it just tends to evoke so much emotion that it's always fun to bring it up and get people riled up and that sort of thing. So that's what we're here to do today. Um, so that's the uh, the voice of Bill Sutton there, uh, manning the record button. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here with us today is Brendan J. O'Reilly. Hey, Brendan. Hi, everybody. I'm Brendan. I am the deputy managing editor. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also with us today are two very special guests, one of whom is Kitty Merrill. Hi, Kitty. Hey, how is everybody? We're going to is... traffic. <laughs> Kitty's our, rep- our reporter extraordinaire, and she is key to the subject we're talking about. Um, and also with us today is Charles McArdle. Do you go by Charlie? Or do you like Charles? Charlie's good, unless you're yelling at me. Charlie's Okay. Yeah, I have your official name here. And um, Charlie is the highway superintendent for Southampton Town. So this is an issue that goes quite a ways back. We're going to be talking about the blinking light program that has been used to to some success over the last uh, several years. And I think it's a program that began when the uh, U.S. Open, is that right, was here back in 2008? Is that correct? What was it? Uh, was it National or Shinnecock Hills? What's the, do you guys Shinnecock. remember? Shinnecock, right. So the idea was basically because we have pretty much one road really coming in and out of Southampton from the west to keep traffic moving because there's a lot of little side streets and lights that can just make east-west traffic back up um, really badly in the morning when everybody's heading east to come out to work and really badly in the afternoon when everyone's heading west. And um, Charlie's the the uh, the, the newish highway superintendent and charlie you kind of took the bull by the horns to kind of bring back that program and uh, so kitty and charlie i wonder if you guys wanted to jump in here and talk about this program in the last several months and what it accomplishes how it works and where we're going from here well after the u.s open when the county decided to make the road a little bit bigger they also did what they they called it cops and cones where they tried to add in lanes in order to just make the road bigger. And this was after um, Hurricane Sandy, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So after Hurricane Sandy, it became extremely clear that there was no way out on one lane when there was just one lane on County Road 39. So that's how the county came came to add in another another lane, wide road. The idea was like evacuation. Is that what they're thinking was to get people off the East End if we needed to evacuate in a hurricane? That was part of it. That was part of it. But also, um, yeah, but the, the extra lane was eastbound, right? Yes. I think it was just eastbound, and it was, um, you know, I, I think the idea was to to kind of, um, you know, alleviate that the morning commute, which which was just 
crazy. There was a huge, I remember driving it all the time. There was a huge bottleneck where you had, you know, two lane sunrise highway in the morning ending at the lobster in there and it would cut down to, to one lane. So it would bottleneck back, you know, as far back as, as uh, Hampton Bays. And, and if there was any other uh, traffic incident, an accident or whatever, I remember being stuck at the quag exit and just crawling along from the quag exit to try to get, um, you know, all the way into Southampton. So when they, when they finally opened up that extra lane, and I think there was some issues with, um, um, you know, property owners not wanting to necessarily, um, um, you know, give up the right away and, you know, and all that. What happened was, what happened was um, his predecessor, Steve Levy's predecessor had that work in his um, capital plan. When Levy came into office and did his first capital plan, he took it out. So everybody in Southampton started really hounding him about it and picking on him about it. And the lawmakers were going up in helicopters showing pictures of how bad the, um, the traffic, that bottleneck you're talking about was. And so uh, he, he um, didn't wanna do it because as you said, if it had been built a certain way they would have had to condemn property all right. along both sides, which would have taken years to do. To do, and I think that the numbers back then were something like 70, 70 to eighty million dollars for just that strip. So they came up with a, a, a different idea where they actually got a like a prefab bridge at one point that saved a whole bunch of money. And so they did do it, but it was people were really picking on him for a great long while mm -hmm. to get that to occur. Now, now when you drive on there and it just seems as if it allowed for just more cars. Well, it did. I think it worked for, it worked for a while. It worked for, it worked for, you know, a, a few years, but then, you know, like they say, build it and they'll come and, they will. and it did. And it just, you know, more and more traffic and, and, you know, we we're always talking about affordable housing. And I think, you know, that uh, the lack of affordable housing, you know, adds to the trade parade and you've got more and more people that are, just coming in, you know, on uh, coming in that way to to work in in Southampton and East Hampton and points East and you know and it just um, it built up again and Q Q kind of where we where we've been the last you know couple of years. So Char Charlie came into office and uh, what did you do, Charlie? <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. So, uh, actually, you do? in my previous career, I did work two of the U.S. Opens where we did do the uh, added the lane prior to them uh, making the uh, County Road 39 uh, two lanes east. And I saw it did work. It had success. Uh, I actually, you know, people say it was, uh, you know, they avoided the area. It actually was the way to travel when you had the cone set up and the light blinking to get around. So anyway, in January, when I took over, um, clearly, you know, Bill hit the nail on the head. It's affordable housing, uh, which I have my, my views on. And the other major issue is the traffic. The number one conversation when you go anywhere with anybody that lives here or works here is traffic. Yeah. So um, we got a lot of complaints at my office, which originally we had nothing to do with it, with the, the uh, cones on, third, on Canoe Place blinking light at Canoe Place in Montauk Highway. The police department would use a traffic control officer and set up a series of cones and uh, people kind of fended for themselves. 
but there was no, nothing steady about it. There was no continuity. If they didn't have the staffing, there was nobody there. And it really, it worked when it was there, but if you couldn't plan on it, then the next day you, you were late for work. So I approached the police department and I asked them if my staffing would be able to help them. They agreed. And so in early June, we took it over and basically uh, the first couple of days, I kind of saw where I, it could be improved and we increased the cones to go all the way over the canal. So you merge much later when you build up speed. We physically were out there. We had three people, myself included, out there every morning for three months. And uh, we placed somebody at the uh, driveway at Spellman's Marina. So there was no inconvenience if we had to open up the cones for a truck or for a boat or and then I put one of my staff on the bridge. If anybody happened to hit a cone, uh, they were able to reset it without it causing a traffic jam. So can I just add, I just want to say basically, so the basic premise is for those who don't know that intersection, it's to prevent any left-hand turns um, onto Montauk Highway during the rush hour when everybody's going east and also to sort of maybe limit the amount of traffic that's coming in there. Is that right? Well, that's part, that's a, that's, part of what you'd have to do to make this work. So as the traffic built, people were taking Dune Road from the West and they were cutting through the back of Hampton Bays to come up Canoe Place Road. Mm -hmm. And without the cone set up, all of that area south of Montauk Highway became a bumper to bumper. People couldn't get out of their driveways. So with the non-stopping, you don't stop now at the corner of Canoe Place and Montauk Highway, we wave you right through, we give you a right turn lane and you merge later on. So as time went on, people got better at it. We were saving 20, 30 minutes per car coming out of that direction. And the fact that if you're on Montauk Highway traveling east, you don't have to stop at the Canoe Place light, we're saving people time that way. One morning I counted 3,300 cars came out of Canoe Place Road wow. between the hours of 5.30 and 9.30. And I'm gonna guess that twice that had to pass me on Montauk Highway. So a rough number, 10,000 cars pass me a morning. And if we're saving each car 30 minutes, it's definitely worth it. You're also blocking, and, and this was one of, one, of, one of my tricks, is I would come down Newtown Road and take a right onto Montauk Highway and then do a U-turn at the light. And I kind of, that, that was, was me. Yeah. That was, that was <laughs> me and probably, you know, 15,000 other people. And I have to admit, when they first started the program, I got really upset because I couldn't do that anymore and had to find an alternate <laughs> route. And I was, um, uh, I don't think it was you yet. I was cursing out uh, town officials for, for ruining my shortcut, but um, having seen the program work now and realizing that I can get on Montauk Highway a little further west and just shoot through that intersection and not get backed up, um, you know, I, 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 I take it all back. because You resend that angry letter to Charlie that you had written. Okay. I, 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 I do. I do. All those all those things that I threw it, you know. That you said about uh, him and those private meetings we had. That, oh, wait. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the program had great success, and uh, but you you really took the bull by the horns, Charlie. I mean, this is not something that that the highway department would normally you know take on. Like you said, when it when it started, it was it was the police department that that was kind of doing this. But you saw a, a need and an opportunity 
for your department to step in and and do that. And I'm just curious how that happened and and what your what your thinking was at, at the time that um, you know that that you could step into something that wouldn't necessarily be your department's purview or or hadn't been in the past. Not not to say that it shouldn't be, but but hadn't been in the past to 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 look at traffic. So, well, one of the things during the election process, one of the things that I learned was that there was a great disconnect between the highway department and all the other agencies. And I'll give you an example. We're located on Jackson Avenue and the parks department has a barn and a facility right next door, right through the gate. And because of this disconnect, uh, the parks department was having their vehicles towed away to be fixed at an outside agency when I have six mechanics that are right through this fence that could easily work on their vehicles. And again, the same thing with the waste management. It's three doors down and there's a great disconnect where there was no, no inter, and I'm not saying interagency, it's the same agency, but interdepartment um, work. So I, I took that to the police department also. I said, look, we have some staffing in the morning. We, in the summer, we start at six. So if the guys are out there at five setting up cones, uh, it's, it's not really a big burden on us. And, um, you know, we're not plowing snow right now. And it's actually was too early to be cutting grass. So I had this staffing to help them. And um, it worked. It worked. It really worked. And we got great praise over it. Both departments got great praise over it to the point where if we're not there, I don't answer my phone because it is brutal. <laughs> and uh, I get it. And one of the things that people didn't realize, and I didn't realize it yet, you're saving the hospital workers, the teachers, all the tradesmen, all these people that are going to work. I'm telling you, I became like a rock star out there getting the high fives. And I, I go to the grocery store and apparently I'm like, you know, the cone master. Everybody knows me. <laughs> Same thing with, with my other other staff. And it's actually nice. You know, the people are coming out of I went to the San Gennaro Fest. I saw a bill there and everywhere I turned, they're thanking us for saving them time. And one of the things I didn't realize is like a lot of companies are struggling with staff. And what they have to do is they have to offer their staff almost uh, they clock in when they start work from their house or they give them travel time. And one pool company told me that over those three months, I saved him so much money in overtime because their staff was traveling faster. And that's one one aspect I never noticed. Like now we're helping the business owners. But anyway, I saw how it worked and I kind of stepped on a little bit of a gray line and I went out and started blinking the lights on 39 and Kitty was my downfall because she wrote a great article about it. And then all of a sudden, uh, the fact that all of a sudden, the fact that we were helping now everybody, um, anyway, became, as you guys know, the story, uh, that's a county jurisdiction. That's the problem because you went from the town to the county, right? Is that the issue? Well, uh, Canoe Place is a county road. Uh, Canoe Place and, and uh, Montauk Highway is a county intersection also. But it got a lot of press. And now people are asking, like, how is this guy doing that? And uh, some other issues. Well, and, and the issue was the, 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 the key that you were using to turn the lights to, to blink. They said that you shouldn't have the authority to do that, that that would have to be a police officer, right? I mean, that was what the issue was. It, it, it boiled down to the permits. Uh, we didn't have yeah. the permits, the proper permits to do that. Um, and when the county, I filed for the, you know, once 
once uh, you know the issues came to light, I said, all right, let's get the permits. And I submitted all the permits. It was actually not that difficult. It was some, some drawings that Kitty got one of them, you know, just some Google Earth with some ideas. And uh, the county, and one of the caveats was that you had to have a police officer present. So now it, it turned into, okay, if you want to do this, this is how it goes. Now it becomes a huge staffing issue. And it had to go bounce back to the town mm -hmm. hall and town hall had to make a decision. Are we going to be able to staff this? Now they can't deny that canoe place doesn't work. Right. That in my opinion is going to be in place until there is some sort of major change in the town of Southland. So I'm going to bet that canoe place is going to be in place till further notice, not only in the morning, but we, we, we worked out the afternoon, which works perfect too, where going west, you don't have to stop at the light. You just kind of scoot over to the shoulder and then you clear out from Edgewater restaurant going west, which it can back up if we're not there. So that clears out, goes right into Main Street and everybody finds their way past that. Now, Bill, I don't know what time you travel west, but uh, if you go through the village of, of Southampton, you could actually be backed up past Edgewater to, just because of that light at Canoe Place. So we solved that problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's not. So let's not. Let's not skip over the the the, the staffing issue, which I think is going to be problematic when we talk about um, you know the program on on County Road Thirty Nine. Um, it's going to require a lot of. Um, police overtime right i mean kitty what's what what was well, the number what captain he, they said sixty thousand dollars for a week it would cost yeah and so what captain, it, it's and aside from the money part or in addition to the money part is the fact that um captain jim kiernan when he came to talk to the town board about it basically said he doesn't have that many people to put on that mm -hmm. road and that he he actually said that there's going to be like um sergeants and lieutenants and uh out there directing traffic next week um so he feels like you know he he felt like he could do the pilot program that's slated for next week but it would be it would be a strain on resources and then when it came to um doing it on an ongoing basis he just he just shook his head he was like I, he doesn't have the people for it so one of the things that they talked about which i thought was kind of cool but who you know i don't i'm, I'm not the one that has the, the purse strings one of the thing they talked about i think you were there charlie was um it's time for them to have um officers who are dedicated to being highway and slash road officers that don't that go to that and so that they would be come on do the morning do the um you know do the pilots do the do the lights and then in the middle of the day handle do you know speeding complaints because they get so many speeding complaints but that's you know that's a marriage when you hire every public official that gets gets hired it's it's a marriage and with police it's an expensive marriage they, look, they're gonna. What's gonna happen if the program really works? They're gonna be backed into a corner, where exactly what you said. And they used to have it years ago. They had uh, a highway unit, and they would work Monday through Friday, and they would address Sabonic Road, the Long Longview, all of these roads that were chronic areas of speeding or cutthroughs, 
and they would pick locations and address them. And I'm a, a firm believer that that should come back to the point where they should probably have 10 of them. When I say 10 of them, then they would address the traffic in the morning if this pilot program continues. And then they would be able to hit all of these other little complaints as time went on. Each town board member has hamlets that they're liaisons for, get numerous complaints. And the second complaint about the cut-throughs is the trucks overweight going on these roads. Now, if these highway unit officers were trained in the, the scales, they could pick days and they'd be able to address that. And I think it's that that would be the answer. Uh, yes, there's a cost to it. Of course, there's a cost to it. But you save 10,000 people a half an hour every morning, it might be worth the cost. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. We mentioned the pilot program a couple times, so let's just explain that a little bit. And by the time this podcast airs, that will have finished. But the pilot program is um, starts on um, Monday, the Monday the twenty fourth, and runs through the through the twenty eighth, right? And what what exactly are we are we looking at in the pilot program, Charlie? So what I did was I submitted permits for um, controlling the lights at Canoe Place at Tuckahoe and 39, at McGee Street and 39, actually North Main Street and 39. And then through the state, we're gonna do the lights on uh, Montauk Highway by the college by St. Andrews going into the village. And we're also gonna do the light on um, in Watermill at the windmill. So in the morning that you're wow. traveling east, you're not gonna have to stop traveling east till you get to um, uh, North Sea Road. Now, North Sea Road, you'd have to stop, and also David White's. Those are two intersections that I, we thought would be overpowering to try to uh, control those. And I'm actually a firm believer that by Tuesday or Wednesday, we might give up on McGee Street because you have the school, but uh, we're, we're going to weigh that and see how that goes. So we're going to have uh, highway units set up cones. We're going to have police and TCOs man these lights. And from 5.30 to 9.30, Monday through Friday of next week, um, we're going to have the lights blink so you don't have to stop in an eastbound direction. Great. So we'll have you back on um, after after the pilot program at some point. You can tell us how how that how that went. So we one other note is that um, the, the Tuckahoe school was a big issue with us and still may be. Um, so my suggestion was to and again, it, I took a lot of heat the last time was to open up um, shrubland. So you can make that left on Shrubland to get onto Sabonic in the morning because there's only two ways to cross 39 if you live south of 39 during this program. And that's St. Andrews to go underneath 39 
or to go out and go to North Sea Road and cross by 7-Eleven. So I, I mentioned to the uh, Shinnecock Nation that we were going to do this pilot program, and I, I sent them a little uh, letter explaining how it was going to go. I, I did get a lot of um, feedback, good and bad. Uh, and the same thing is going to be for teachers and school buses. The school buses, we're not going to interrupt their route. If they pull in to make the turn, we're going to stop the program for that few seconds and let the buses go. Yep. But that's the plan. And I just so you know, I also submitted permits to do pretty much the same thing in the, in the PM. But again, I didn't get enough support to put that in place. I, I believe the P I believe the PM is just as important. 39 is a parking lot after after four o'clock, after three o'clock. I mean, it really it's crazy. is. How many times, Charlie, have I called you from Bridgehampton saying, I'm trying to get, <laughs> it's been, <laughs> from Bridgehampton to, to the light at the end of 39 in an afternoon, that problem starts at three o'clock. And that's, and that's that, know, that light at Watermill is ridiculous. Important. It's for a friggin' score, you know? <laughs> exactly. We, we, we had some ideas for Watermill, um, you know, similar to the way we, we merged uh, Canoe Place on Montauk Highway traveling east where you could get up some speed and then merge over the canal. We had an idea of uh, merging uh, Little Cobb Road and, and Montauk Highway. So you merged like right before you got to the, uh, right by the Villa Maria there, the old Villa Maria. Mm -hmm. And then we'd take Old Mill Road and make it one way in the morning. So you, because it's a one for one on Old Mill coming out as you travel east in the morning. So we would make that school buses only and force everyone uh, off of that. And if you blink the light, I think that would work. And Bill, I think you're the same as me. Like if you come down 39 and you make that left by the car dealership, everyone is looking over their shoulders to see if right. it's past the, uh, the winery, if it's clear. If it's not clear, you're shooting across and then you're taking Flying Point to get on Cobb Road and squeeze in later. So the goal would be if people saw that Montauk Highway was clear by the um, by the museum there, you know, the, um, the parish, parish art, if you saw that was clear, you would make the left. And if you're not picking pumpkins, you could actually get through there. <laughs> right? uh -huh. Oh, the dreaded pumpkin town tie up. Right. Now we're getting. So that would relieve Cobb Road. I, I think that that's the point of, of this, the whole program on both sides, both Canoe Place and, and this, is that if people realize that that they can shoot through, that the traffic is moving on either Montauk Highway or County Road 39, that they're going to take those routes rather than do these, these, these extravagant backwards in and out through the side streets, on Dune Road up through through Hampton Bays and, and all that. And, and if you can get the traffic moving on the main arteries, People will drive on the main arteries, right? And Unless Waze tells them well, not to, because that I think is the bane of all of our existence. I, I live kind of up and tucked in the woods of East Hampton and the amount of cars that have found my road as an alternative to a backed up 114 is shocking. And it, I can only think that it's Waze because for the last 20 years, nobody ever figured out where that road was. And now they seem to all know. So, so Bill, that that's actually where the data is right. going to be collected. We have counters on all of the roads that are uh, cut through roads. And we're going to see if, um, if what we do cures some of those problems. Um, you know, you have, you mentioned it earlier back in the day with uh, 27 with bottleneck at, at the lobster yeah. and back up. 
still we still have that issue now. You, it's backed up to East Quag sometimes. And then we get a big issue with people bailing in uh, on uh, 104 and they cut down Pleasure Drive to get to Flanders Road. And then Flanders Road is all backed up getting into Hampton Bays. And that's when they cut down Old Riverhead Road and so on. Flanders Road has been was horrible this this summer. I live in Riverhead and coming down yep. Flanders Road. I mean, there were some mornings where it was stop and go, um, you know, right, right from uh, right from 104 all the way down. I mean, just all the way down. Yeah. And it, they, there's some big issues there because when it backs up, then you get people that drive very aggressively. Yeah. They take the median, they go down the shoulders. and But that's where the data is going to be collected on, on the side roads uh, to see if, if by Friday and things are going good on, on the, with the blinking lights, do people actually stay off the side roads and, and stay on the major roads. Um, and that's is a week is a week pilot long enough to to determine whether or not you're making a dent. I mean, if people aren't used to it, if it takes a little time for people to understand and get used to it, like it did with me, you know, coming around and doing that that U-turn on Montauk Highway. It took me a little while, but then it's like, all right, then I finally got it. But so, I mean, is a week going to be long enough or you think that'll give you enough, enough data to show that there's at least a difference? So I was not a fan of the time period yeah. either. And of course, it's it's big money to sure. do it. So all of these things are in place. Um, I think we probably will revisit doing it again in the in the spring um, when you have every tennis court company, every pool yeah. company, every landscaper in full motion. You know, uh, we're going to be starting it in the dark, which I wasn't a fan of either. Um, you know, if, if it was earlier in the season, at least we would be out there in you know the at least that sunrise right. right now we're going to be setting up it's right before uh, daylight savings time um so there's a lot of issues during the summer you have every outdoor landscaper pool guy tennis court and so on wednesday on because they have to get the house ready for right. the weekend well you can see a big difference in traffic from wednesday on and i was out there every morning i, I could tell you have the building trade which goes until it gets too cold to be outside so there's a lot of factors. I mean, ideally two weeks would have been better, but then you're also spending on the two weeks of the engineering firm that's doing all the data collecting and so on. Hi, this is Ellen Diogardi. I'm the director of events for the Express News Group. I'm also the president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce. Community really matters to all of us at this company. I know it's a good part of why I'm here. We've hosted more than 50 of our Express Sessions events in Southampton, East Hampton, and Sag Harbor, focusing on issues that matter most to residents of the East End. We bring the most important government and community leaders and topic experts together in one room, and we often find answers to complicated questions, and we grow stronger together. This all takes staff time and company resources, but it's our job, and I'm happy to say we really love our work. But we can't do it without our subscribers. If this kind of community work is important to you, you can support it by becoming a subscriber. To subscribe, visit 27east.com slash subscribe, and thank you. So the idea then, Charlie, is like once this the next the week's program is up, you'll have the the information to kind of take to the the town board and the county to see about making this a more permanent fix. Do you think? That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Well, but the, also which which you had mentioned at one of the meetings is because it's happened because the the upside of when it's happening right now is the town will now have 
a bunch of months to try and figure out how to pay for it for for uh, you know exactly. to maybe run i don't know i'm just guessing don't quote me like may to may to october uh -huh. oh, i see the 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 i sit on a committee and there was floating a lot of floating going on on like how they could raise the money to do it you know clearly there could be a tax increase but uh, you know, a lot of people don't think it's fair because a majority of the traffic comes from people that don't live in the town of Southampton. So the people that live here would be footing the bill. Um, then there was, I had the idea, it didn't get much support again. Uh, my theory was that a lot of the building trade uh, is the traffic and that if there was some sort of fee on the building permits that could be used to offset the cost plus you know, the, the roads get beat up. The roads get beat up pretty much from a lot of these these trucks and so on. So if there was a, you know, a fee on the uh, building permits um, that that could offset things. Um, you know, I know there's a uh, proposition coming out for the uh, land preservation to, for the uh, affordable housing. Look, this is definitely a, an issue that that maybe something like that could be funded. I don't know. But um, there's got to be a way to pay for it because it affects so many people. And the, and the thing is that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was going to bring this up earlier too, is the thing, like you were saying, I, I don't know that um, people are, people who live here are all that crazy about having these out of town companies um, coming here, clogging up the roads, but not having to pay the price of, this traffic calming measure that you guys want to try. So yeah, I think that is yeah. that is a, a big issue. And I and I, I found it fascinating at a recent um, public hearing, there was someone in Watermill who was talking about you can't change the police, don't change the light in Watermill. There's no one going through. And so that afternoon I had to go to Southampton from East Hampton. And yet again, I was stopped because of that light in Watermill all the way back to the Bridgehampton Commons inching along and I was like don't these people leave their house because it was it was bad that's I'm always calling you from Bridgehampton Commons right Charlie and all kinds of different any afternoon and it was an October Wednesday afternoon it wasn't summer you know and you know my 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 idea is a GoFundMe to get that that plate that changes the light only when another car comes at watermill they don't do that they don't want those because that was a discussion about getting those plates, especially especially for Watermill, because there's so many, so few cars coming through there, and it stops so many people. But there's some yeah. reason, financial reason, I believe, of why they didn't want to put one of those, you know, uh, mm -hmm. activated plates underneath the road, right, Charlie? So that that right there is a state road. Uh -huh. Station road isn't though. So yeah. No, Station Road isn't, but if a road crosses, it meets at a county or a town or a state road, the state controls the road that meets it. Oh. But Brendan, you had something? Right. So I'm wondering for long-term solutions, are there any opportunities left for widening the road? And if we did that, would it help? I don't think there's any opportunities left to widen the road. Um only only because you're out of space you know you, you right now you actually still have some private homes that are on 39 and if you're ever behind them a school bus has to stop 
and there's some flag lots where kids are coming out. So I don't think there's room for that. I was a big uh, supporter of if you've ever been on the, the bridge uh, going uh, the, the uh, before they redid the uh, Cuomo Bridge, they actually came out with that snake machine and they yeah, added the, uh, cool. the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and in New Jersey, you have to make a right turn to make a left turn. Yeah, those jug handles. Right. Yep. So if they came out with uh, adding like a third lane uh, in the morning and forced everybody to make a right and then a left and then the same thing in the afternoon, that that might work. But I don't think there's more room and to, to make 39 wider. And let's face it, we got the hospital coming in. It is going to be interesting. Yeah. They're talking about raising it and maybe doing uh, the roads going underneath. Um, you know, bridges and traffic circles and all kinds of things are being floated that the construction of those things alone would make me want to move. So you're talking about the construction of the hospital at the current um, Stony Brook Southampton campus. I'm not worried so much about the actual physical construction on campus. Yeah. But what their plans are for 39 by the golf course, Mm -hmm. what their plans are for Montauk Highway end of it. It's going to be. Uh, I mean, you just got incredible traffic coming in and out, and it's the, the largest employer in, yep. in the town, and you know, and, and just the number of of employees that travel yeah. there. And I isn't think, isn't Shinnecock trying to close off that that road, uh, Takahoe Two, coming through the Shinnecock property? They uh, look. They had, and this is uh, this relates to my my afternoon PM theory. What happens is. Sabonic Road is bumper to bumper from three o'clock on people trying to cut through to get to 39. So it's so backed up that they they take the breeze and they go down uh, through the golf course to wait at that light. So now you have it backed up past the golf course and you have, you know, people mm-hmm. out there that are, are mm-hmm. golfing or in the clubhouse or so on. And you have the cars backed up right through the golf course. So their idea was to uh there's a they call it a paper road that would bring you around the back and um they would be able to their theory was they would like to cut off the back part of tuckahoe so that the cars wouldn't go through i don't think it's a bad idea but i would like to see my pm pilot program in place to see if it even becomes necessary i think if the program works it wouldn't be necessary the other issue is we have two on yeah there you go at the bottom of that mm-hmm. light mm-hmm. by the golf course on Tuckahoe, you have a Suffolk County bus stop. If they were to move that bus stop further down and make it so you could merge onto, tuck, onto 39 instead of wait at a traffic light, that would work. Take that exact example and move it to Shrubland. You come out of Shrubland, uh-huh. you cannot uh-huh. T 39 and have yeah. to come on. You, you have to have a rocket ship to get out. Yeah. Then you have the bus stop. Move the bus stop down, make it emerge. That's horrible. My last mm-hmm. complaint, another mm-hmm. county one. How did they ever mm-hmm. give up the merge on North Road by the new uh, boathouse? You used to be able to come off North Road and merge onto Montauk Highway. Now it's a T. And it's a one, it's a one for yeah, one. That's horrible. The county and the town gave them property, which gave up that merge. I, to this day, I don't understand it. And, you know, now there's talk. Everyone thinks the answer is traffic circles or roundabouts, whatever you want to call them. 
I don't know if that'll work. They want to do one one in Watermill. There's too, too, too much east-west yes. traffic for that to yeah. work. I mean, you're still yeah. not going to be able to get out of there, whether it's a whether it's a T or a traffic circle. I don't know how you would get off. If you, you go through the traffic circle in Riverhead by McDonald's on the Southampton side, you can be waiting there five minutes because yeah. everyone's going in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah, I've always heard that roundabouts really only work when the traffic is equal from all entrants. You know, if you have one that's that that's more heavily traveled than right. the side ones, and it's it still becomes the same problem. Hey, Bill, Bill, do you notice that if you take Montauk Highway and it's really crazy in Hampton Bays, and then you kind of get through past the college? I do it sometimes. Like, where does everyone go once they get in the village? I don't know. It doesn't it seem like everyone just disappears. And it's weird the other way around to get it at night, getting out of the village, where it'll be it'll be bumper to bumper on Montauk Highway until you get to until you get to um to, to the Shinnecock area and then all of a sudden you're you're flying and it's like yep. where'd everybody and they're all going west. I mean, I don't know where they're going. It's 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 a little weird in the morning. Like it's bumper yeah. to bumper. I get into the village and I look left, look right. There's nobody around. I can yeah, right go? in front of the deli. I don't get it. It's a little scary, but (laughs) maybe they're being zapped to another dimension. (laughs) I don't know. That is. There you go. Ten thousand people going there and they disappear. It's the Tuckahoe Triangle. (laughs) Tuckahoe Triangle. Oh my gosh! I think we just invented a (laughs) T-shirt. But that also happens. That goes. That happens with the with the westbound traffic that I incessantly complaining about with that watermill light and you just bumper to bumper to bumper to bumper and all of a sudden you come to you go through that light and you come around that curve and it's like everybody's gone they could take off there was no unless it's daytime on a you know pumpkin time yeah i I think that they should get rid of that left turn onto little Cobb as you travel west yeah first of all it's a bad curve if you go in the right speed coming east it's tough to see and that backs up traffic too they should just continue a little further make the left on Cobb Road and there's plenty of room for people to go around you. Um, but that, that's, again, that's, it's, I found my position to be very hard when I have to coordinate with the county and the state on any of the issues that, you know, that, that become the, this complicated. Yeah, that always seems to be yeah. the, the, the backup there, right, is dealing with, with the other guys, the other municipalities. And I, I think you could argue that a lot of them just don't understand what the traffic is like out here. They just, they don't get it because they're not out here. They're not on the roads. And we're a very small piece of their puzzle. Right. Sure. Yeah. No. And they also have their own, you know, they have, their traffic is so much worse. They don't, you know. Yeah. Our problems are nothing. We come to. off, we, yeah, we come off as, you know, like whiners. Yeah. The Hamptons we, whiners. Yeah. Yeah, what about because, me? You know, uh, it took me 20 miles, 20 minutes to go 1.8 miles. And they're like, yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. how it goes with us every day, you know. Yeah, we went, I don't know how many years, 10 plus years where the county stopped pay the paving on Montauk Highway and Hampton Bays at Carvel. And then east of Carvel was a war zone up until recently. So we actually lobbied them and uh they came in and we wanted to a permanent turn lane on canoe place. Um, it, if somebody was at the light and they weren't hugging the double yellow, you couldn't pass them on the right to make the right turn to go east. So we able right. to lobby them to now they they just they're working on it, finishing it now where they are. They put in that turn lane, they put in some new curbing and we got them to to they're going to be paving Montauk Highway starting Monday night from 
from Carvel over the canal. So that project right. should be done in, in a week, which I don't think is going to stop the cones on Canoe Place, but uh, on regular regular time frames, I think it'll help the traffic. Yay. Anything to help the traffic. That's great, because that's that's a washboard yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Now, now can you talk to them about not doing the tree trimming before nine o'clock in the morning? <laughs> half our day is half over nine o'clock. Yeah, right? you're talking to the wrong department, Bill. No, I think you should clear it all, Charlie. Clear it all. Because I, I love getting the phone calls. You, you want to talk about Flying Point Road or you want to let that go? <laughs> no, no, no. You need better, you need a better train schedule. That's that's another thing. And yeah, you do. the railroad's not not cooperating. And even in the summer, when they take away that Friday train because they need that cannonball to Montauk, it just adds to the worst Fridays that we can have possible. What's yeah. your budget like? Could you afford like an electric train? <laughs> I, I, first of all, the, the electric train stops in Patchogue, yeah. right? The diesel slots in Patchogue. We don't have electric trains out here, do we? Yeah. No. Right. Right. They run on diesel, but um, because we don't have electrified tracks, but yeah. it, so going back, I think it was 2009, I wrote a bunch of articles about this concept of scoot trains, which we would get state money for the LIRR to get these single car trains and you could link them up. You could say, okay, we have a lot of people. We'll do two cars. We'll do three. We'll do four, but you could just run a single car on the train track back and forth, you know, speak to Montauk, speak to Montauk, speak to Montauk and do it in between all the other trains as long as you had some sort of um, a siding for the train to get off on to let the big train pass. And that was more than 10 years ago and it never happened. And we're at the point where traffic is just collapsing in on itself. And if, if they were to pursue that solution again, it would be another five years to actually implement it. Just to build the siding, just to create the sidings. I, I'm I'm all, I'm all for increasing the train service, and I'd love to see people get on the train. But then you have to do the secondary part of that, where you've got to come in with with the buses or or whatever to get people north and south from where where they're going from the from the train. It's not it's not like we're in you know a municipal you know it's not like we're in New York City with a subway where you can get off you know the subway stop and and you're a block away from. From where you work you've got to get people to the schools and the hospitals and and they're doing that with the commuter connection they're doing that with the uh do you, do you remember that plan that the um there was a group that really wanted to take over the entire um, rail system from like riverhead east to create our own east end transportation network where it was those yeah like brendan was saying those smaller trains every 20 minutes and every yeah. time it stopped there would be a bus meeting those little trains to take you either north or south from uh from the train stations but but you know LIRR doesn't want to give up that money you know like they figured that for the amount of tax dollars that the east end pays in to the LIRR based on the you know iffy service that you get out where where we are that they could have basically run that whole system on that well, it's 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 chicken and an egg they they see nobody using the LIRR out right. here because because there's no service out here so right. if you increase the service would more people use it? I, I, I think so. But how do you See? how do you prove that? Yeah. You got to do pilot programs like Charlie's doing with the. So with Charlie, the are you taking over the Long Island Railroad anytime soon? <laughs> no, 
No, I think I think we need to. I th Charlie, I think you should start a new um like a jetpack business. Yeah. Rent some jet. You know they have they oh. have the ride share where you can rent the buy. You know the pedal share. I think we need a jetpack. Pity that's all we need is these really bad drivers like zooming around and all sorts of altitude. resident only dropping. <laughs> like, there's on, some yeah. really bad drivers locally too. I don't know. Could you yeah, imagine how bad that would be? Like it's bad yeah. enough on like the two dimensional plane, but you know that that's actually one of the things we learned that we could set up the cones we could direct everything but you can't fix bad drivers yeah that's right that, that was yeah. a big issue no doubt yep. yeah i mean you know you hear about people riding driving through roundabouts the wrong direction because they don't get it so yeah yeah Man. or stopping in the middle of one yeah, that I don't think will that I don't think will ever change. So I think that we'll probably have to follow up on this in the not near future. Yeah, see how it goes. Charlie is now our cone head. Can we call you a cone head? Get you a little. Uh, that'll be your yeah. Halloween costume, <laughs> the orange cone. I've I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully after next week you will be called a saint and a hero. <laughs> next time we'll talk about leaf collection. Oh, snow plowing. Oh, the changing of the seasons. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sacharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.